You are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. So two thoughts before I jump into the sermon. One, um, at the 10 o'clock hour, I met with a confirmation class, eight young people who were ready to join the church, and we asked them why they wanted to be part of the church. And the word that came up over and over again was the word community, the idea of being part of a community. And just got a little glimpse of community, the idea of being together, how together we can do things that we couldn't do individually. I'm looking at people ringing bells and people singing and Doug playing the organ, one body, many parts. We're a community doing great things together. Thanks be to God for that. The second thing, just food for thought, maybe you thought of this already, but I've heard the children's message twice now and really appreciate what Marge said about finding the way. And I've realized over the years how I, I used to love maps. I'd get maps out. I'd print out maps for trips and had be ready to go. I don't do that anymore. I just get my phone out. And whatever my phone tells me to do, turn left on Mineral Point Road, I do it. I'm like, maybe I should have that same sort of obedient attitude. <laughs> I'm very obedient with my phone, with directions. It's a nice reminder for us to be obedient to God's call on our lives. So... In that spirit, we continue thinking about God's word over this season of Lent, the five Sundays of the season of Lent prior to today, we reflected on the I am statements of Jesus, five of them. Some of you were here for those Sundays, the bread of life, the light of the world, the vine and the branches. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches, the good shepherd and the gate or the door. Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep, the door for the sheep. All of these identities, all of these roles that Jesus plays to help us get a better sense of who Jesus is and what it means to follow Jesus. Well, today we have one more I am statement, and then there's one more next Sunday on Easter. Today we hear Jesus saying, I am the way and the truth and the life in John chapter 14. It's a wonderful image especially for the many people at this church that I know that like to think about the spiritual life as a journey. We talk about the journey of faith. Well, Jesus says, I am the way, so we try to go on the way. John 14, where this reading comes from, is part of what's known as the farewell discourse in John's gospel, chapters 13 through 17, a large chunk of the gospel, where Jesus is essentially preparing the disciples for the time when he will no longer be with them. He knows that he's heading to Jerusalem. He knows somehow that he's going to face the authorities and be arrested and tried and convicted and killed. And he's preparing the disciples for that time of separation. So he offers words like the words for today from John chapter 14. Now, these words give some comfort to the disciples in a time of absence, which explains why we often read these words, at least the six verses we have for today, we often read them at funerals. They provide a sense of comfort in times of absence. The reading paints a picture of a big house, 
a big house with lots of rooms, lots of dwelling places, many mansions for those of you who are King James fans, right? This big, big place where there's room for everybody. So it makes good sense to think of these words at a funeral. But then there's the last sentence of the reading. Listen for God's word. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thanks be to God for the words of Scripture. When I read this section of Scripture at memorial service, I've pretty much stopped saying that last sentence. In a broadly ecumenical context with visitors, many of whom know nothing about the church, I don't want to stand up and say, no one comes to the Father but through me. Because that verse, and others like it, have sadly been used to structure a a certain type of Christian faith, an exclusive kind of secret society kind of thinking. So only the people who know Jesus in a very particular kind of way are welcomed by the Father, and the rest aren't, not welcome. Only the people who say the right things or believe the right things have access to that big house with many rooms, many dwelling places. You can interpret that verse that way if you choose to do so. A lot of people do. A lot of people choose to interpret it as words that were spoken specifically for Jesus' disciples, for people who are already following him, and that's more where I hang my hat. But the reality is, in the Bible, you can find a verse to justify just about anything. Just about anything. So if you want to live in a dualistic world and draw a little circle and put yourself and your friends and your family in the middle of it and say, we're in, and everybody else is out, You can find a few verses to do that, this maybe being one of them. And the thing is, I understand the appeal of clearly marked boundaries, of specific definitions, of a religion where we know exactly what's right, what's wrong. I get it. I, I, my personality type is such that I like things that are very clear, like black, white, right, wrong, up, down, good, bad. It's all there. Simplicity has its appeal. But the world doesn't usually work like that, and Jesus doesn't either. Jesus routinely broke down those carefully crafted barriers that divided people and excluded people. And he intentionally broke the rules and welcomed the people who were considered to be outcasts, the ones who were forgotten and ignored and exploited, the the foreigners, the, the women and the children, the people who were sick, the people who were poor, 
the people who didn't have access to the, the halls of power. Jesus seems to have taken the message of the first chapter of Genesis to heart. You know, Genesis where it's made clear that we are all created good and we're all created in the image of God. And the thing is, the Bible has abundant witness to this kind of abundant love of God. Just a few examples. In 1 Timothy, we read, God desires everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. In 1 John, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Luke chapter 2, we read it at Christmas. Do not be afraid, for see, I'm bringing you good news of great joy for the people who came to church on Christmas Eve. No, for all the people, for everyone. And then finally, John 3.16, one of the best loved verses in Scripture. God so loved the Presbyterians, the chosen people. No, God loved the world. God loves the world. God's love, I think, is bigger than we can imagine. And we all, in one way or another, like to put God's love in a box and think of ourselves as inside the box and other people outside the box, maybe. So I've reached a point in my journey of faith where I kind of hold things in a little bit of tension in that on the one hand, I see myself as a committed follower of Jesus, and I fully believe the, the truth of the scripture passage, that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And at the same time, I have this sense of humility, I guess, that, that God's love is a lot bigger than my understanding. It's bigger than my understanding, it's bigger than the Presbyterian tradition, it's bigger than the Christian church. Sadly, too many people see Christianity in kind of a limited way and see Christian faith about simply having the right belief, having the right answers in order to get a place in heaven, so to speak. But the truth is, authentic Christian faith, it's shaped by belief, but it's really about how we live our lives. It's learning and living, right? Over the last month or so, I've been slowly making my way through a, a deep and wonderful book called The Universal Christ. Um, I read a lot, but this book has slowed me down because I read two or three pages and have to just sort of tap the brakes and sit and think with it. Richard Rohr speaks broadly about breaking down our dualistic thinking and finding a, a bigger sense of Jesus and the Christ and in the book, at one point, he says, Christians are meant to be visible compassion of God on earth more than those who are going to heaven, right? Getting that sense of engagement with the world and living our lives concretely, specifically, and not thinking so much about what we believe in order to get somewhere besides earth. Jesus proclaimed this radical love of God, the big arms of welcome, the invitation to that big house with lots of rooms. And he alienated the elites of his day by doing so, the people who had made the rules and tried to establish those boundaries. His graciousness towards outcasts was one of the primary reasons why he ended up getting arrested and tried and convicted and hung on a cross and killed. The religious and political leaders in Jesus' time didn't seem to like the idea of God's love being for everyone. They wanted boundaries. They wanted some people in and some people out. 
Well, some religious and political leaders today feel the same way. We live in a sadly and bitterly tribal world where we circle the wagons and we talk about them and us in all sorts of ways, politically, socially, religiously, economically, racially. One place we see this exclusionary thinking right now is with lesbian, gay, and transgender people, people who are still being marginalized by some religious and political leaders. Some school districts are essentially dehumanizing LGBT people by saying that students can't talk about sexuality or gender identity. Some religious leaders continue to demonize anything beyond traditional heterosexual relationships. And the sad result of such thinking is that depression and suicide rates are much higher for LGBT teenagers than they are for the rest of the population. The messages that the church and others have sent are getting internalized by people who are feeling a sense of shame and guilt about who they are. This is not the way of Jesus. Not the way of Jesus. Jesus came to show us something new, this way of love for all people. Good news of great joy for all the people. Everyone. This new reality of the realm of God, the kingdom of God. A welcome for the people who had been forgotten, ignored, mistreated, exploited. And by the way, a little side note, because we're in Madison. Being self-righteous with our enlightened, inclusive perspectives and bitter towards those who aren't as wise as us isn't really the way of Jesus either. Note to self and anyone else who needs to hear that. So we tread with humility, but with the conviction that God's love is for everyone. It's Palm Sunday. We wave our palm branches. We remember Jesus going into Jerusalem, being acclaimed as a king, as a threat to the political king of the day, as a king who was inviting people into something new, this message of inclusion and love. And by going into Jerusalem, knowing what lay ahead, Jesus sets an example for us of courage and compassion and sacrificial love for the well-being of others willing to take chances and take risks for the well-being of others. So we gather here and worship on Palm Sunday. We wave our palm branches. We sing to Jesus as our king. Then when we walk out these doors, we're going to have to decide if we really want to follow in the way of Jesus. Let us pray. Loving God, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus into this world to proclaim something new, to forgive people like us and people like them, whoever they might be. Save us from narrow and exclusive thinking. Set us free for a life of purpose and meaning. Grant us wisdom. Grant us courage to follow Jesus in the way of service and compassion and justice and sacrificial love. Amen.